have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You got to be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight From The Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host in this personal development, personal growth podcast. Listen, thank you for tuning in. I just want to welcome you, those that are new. For any of you tuning back in for your second, third, or 254th episode, I just appreciate your listening here. I appreciate your loyalty. It means a lot to me. And listen, real quick, if you derive value from this podcast or you believe anybody else would, please do not hesitate to share it with them. Share it on your Instagram platforms, your Facebook, Twitter, anything. Link the podcast, Ashtray from the Chess. Link myself at Justin Craig Groff. It would do me a great service, and I just appreciate that. Helps generate more awareness of who we have on and what we're promoting on the podcast. And as always, on Saturdays, we have a special guest. Good friend of mine, my name, uh, my buddy, Sledge, is in the building. What's up, bro? How are what you, up, man? dude? How? Hi. 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 <laughs> it's been some What's time. Up, man? It's been some time, bro. And um look, there's there's been a lot of things that have gone on in, in your career and and we're gonna get into all that. And you know, for those of you who are just tuning in and might not be familiar with Sledge, he's a professional wrestler. And look, I don't want to get in too much. I want him to tell you who he is. So let's just start there. Sledge. Who are you? Uh, well, I'm Sledge. I'm a professional wrestler. I've been a professional wrestler for now 10 and a half years. I've had my ups and downs with professional wrestling. But yeah, um, I was under contract with a company called Ring of Honor before they were bought by AEW. I was there for two and a half years. And now currently I'm a free agent. So how does that feel? Yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> when you have guaranteed money coming in every month and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, where's my next? paycheck coming from do you but, feel kind of naked uh not necessarily naked because i have clothes on right now but <laughs> but no um it's just one of those things man you know it's business it's not personal it's business yeah yeah shit happens i can cuss on this thing right of course okay cool shit I cuss happens. A lot, yeah okay cool uh well i mean i guess that's the the business you know and and i guess that's just life in general but i just don't like how the way they did it and I think that's like my biggest, biggest bitch with everything is how they did it. And especially with, they were getting ready to like, give me like a big push and give me a big, like even bigger platform of what I was on. And then all of a sudden it was just like the carpet was ripped out from underneath us. Like all of us too. It was just, it was a zoom call. Hmm. Yeah, it was a zoom call and we were heading into TV that week. So we're getting ready to film TV and usually we have a Zoom call right before we do TV with the new, like when COVID was the thing, you know, with the new COVID protocols and all this stuff. So we all thought it was like a normal Zoom meeting. And then all of a sudden it was just like, hey, contracted talent, stay on the line with us. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Joe got on, you know, um, I'm trying to think of Joe's last name. Oh, man, my, my, my uh, Joe Cough, Cough, sorry, Cough, Joe Cough jumped on. And he's like, this is going to, when somebody starts a conversation with, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> you never, you always know it's going to go bad. Yeah. Right. And then they told us that they're not renewing any of our contracts and pretty much they're letting all of us go. And, uh, they're going to be doing a reinvention, like a 
ROH 2.0, which none of us knew what the fuck that meant. And I just re, I technically just resigned my deal to a point. So I was only a couple months into my deal when this all went down. So we were like, well, and a lot of the guys were up in December. So everybody that was up in December, their contracts didn't get renewed. But a lot of us that were up in like March, April, May, June, like they're like, we're still going to honor your guys' contracts and you guys can't really go work anywhere else. If you want to get released, we can release you, but then you're not going to get paid. So it was just like, well, do I just kind of sit on my butt and not get paid? I mean, sit on my butt and get paid or try to pursue, pursue another avenue with professional wrestling and not, but we're not technically allowed to reach out. It was very weird. Like we're technically not allowed to reach out to people because we're still under contract. It was very, just a weird situation. Mm. So, uh, I'm happy to be out of my contract, but you know, I think the biggest thing is, was like the money, you know, was like, Oh man, like now where's my next paycheck going to come, come from? But I got different avenues. It's all working out. So, I mean, you're kind of describing a female, the way females would act. Kind of. It's like, actually, you can't, you can't fuck any other pussy. And then I'm done with you. I'm moving on. No explanation. None. Just leave you in the dark, bro. Right. And then when you go to go I've had and, a girlfriend like that. When you actually. go to fuck something else, they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, but you told me it was over, but now I can't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. They fuck with your head, man. Yeah, exactly. It was just very, uh, it was very um, kind of out of the blue. And what, and another reason why I didn't like it is because we were getting ready to go into television that week. So like, you just killed the morale going into television. Yeah. It's like, true. why are we going to go in there and kill our bodies? for all of us to be fired pretty much like the next day. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, the morale at TV was very down. Like it was just, it was a weird situation. And excuse me, when we went into final battle, they're like, we're going to use everybody for final battle, which was the last pay-per-view for ROH. And with all of us under contract that were ROH talented, let's let me just rephrase that. Um, when we went into final battle, the morale was high, but at the same time, we all knew it was over, you know? And then all of a sudden Tony Khan buys ROH out of nowhere. And then now ROH is kind of a thing and kind of not a thing. It's still kind of up in the air of like what Tony Khan's going to do with it. He ran Supercard, but he, what he did was he put all his AEW talent over because he owns uh, all elite wrestling, right? Mm. And he put all of his all elite wrestling talent over the current ROH champions and then just kind of took the ROH champions and kind of just skewed them out the door besides like one guy and that's Jonathan Gresham. And I'm just like, man, that's kind of crappy, you know? And he didn't use any ROH talent really besides the champions, you know? So I don't know. It, was, it just kind of, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but you know. And you were with him for how Two long? and a half years. Yeah. I also did production for them. I drove their trucks. I did everything. I grinded for ROH. Mm. I grinded. I would drive overnight in their trucks, set up the, set up the building. And then after everybody was gone, I'd break the building down, load the trucks up, go to the next town, no sleep, unload the trucks, set up the show. Like I did everything for that company. Like you name it. I did it. I counted the merchandise for them. I, you know, you should be doing that because you're just talent. I, I, at the time 
what was part of my deal with ROH at the time before I got my talent contract was come to the dojo in Baltimore. So I packed up everything I had here. I left my house here, right? But I packed up everything, rented a room and moved all the way to Baltimore, Maryland on a hope to be signed with Ring of Honor. And they said, we're going to put you at the dojo, have you trained, because we're not quite sure if we're ready for television yet. So we're going to television train you, and then we'll put you on the trucks to put money into your pocket. But as of right now, you're not a contracted talent, a contracted uh, wrestling talent. So I was pretty much the better forms of words. I was the bitch for ROH mm. for about six months until I got my talent contract. So... Do you think you had, was that kind of your hazing period? You feel like you had to go through that? Yeah. Which was, I didn't have a problem with it though. I love the road. I mean, there were long hours, but I think what separated me a lot of the, from a lot of the guys at the dojo was I was willing to do whatever the fuck it took to be there. Yeah. Cause you and were it, hungry, dude. Yeah. I was hungry yeah. and I wanted to show them. And a lot of the guys were like, man, I can't believe you're driving the trucks. And like, they offered me that. And I told them no. And I'm like, yeah. And you're standing in the same position. And now look where I'm at. And now they were all pissed when I got signed. They were fucking mad. And one of my coaches, Jonathan Gresham, which is, is the best wrestler in the fucking world. He decides to say, Hey man, you got, he helped me get my job. Gresham helped me get my job and sign me. Right. Same with Will Ferrara. And, you know, Hunter, Hunter, Hunter Johnson. And there was a number amount of people, but when they signed me that day and they hand me my contract, Jonathan decided to, Hey man, let's get a picture in front of the ring. And like all the dojo guys were to the right. It was kind of like more of like, this could have been you guys, yeah. but you guys decided to, you know what I'm saying? I was there on practices early. I left late. I busted my ass in that ring. I mean, I did anything they needed me to do to be part of Ring of Honor, just to say I was part of that company. Okay, so just so, what was the reasoning why you did all that? Just to say you're a part of it, and to be affiliated with something that was that was almost like a dream, right? Absolutely, that's a fucking dream. To yeah, be it's a, a dream. So it's like you feel like you had this in your grasp. And the only thing I got to do is drive trucks and do what they want me to do and that's practice. It. And I love to do that anyways. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like an actor trying to act and get into movies. He's going to do whatever he has to do whatever. to get into the movie. Because, you know, it's once he gets that star or not even a star role, once he gets a role in a big picture. Absolutely. Dude, it's just a matter of time yep. before he blows up from there. Yep. And that's probably how you thought. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Once just get me on TV, man. That's it. Get me on TV. Get me on television. I'm going to blow up. But you have to have some type of already belief system indoctrinated to be able to take indoctrinated. your indoctrinated fucking big word. I'm a fucking I smart love that. Guy, You're a dude. smart motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> you have to you have to have that already instilled, right? Yes. For that ends up happening. Right. But you had that. And the fact is, you know, go back to before before I knew you were even a wrestler. Right. And we even really met. I saw you in the gym working out, etc. You have a type of energy and aura to you that is you cannot mistake, and it's easy to say that this guy deserves to be on something, some type of platform, because he just has a character way about him. 
And you can tell that it's not a, a joke or a facade. It's something, it's just an alter ego of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's who you are, man. But those kinds of people are rare one. And then when they, when you, when that's the kind of person that you are, you have to capitalize on it. And so the fact that you went into, it just fits your profile just immensely well. And so when you felt like this could be me, man, I just have to put in the work. I just have to do this. I have to go to practice. I'll do it. I'll be their bitch because once I'm on TV and people see me, I'm so, I'm so certain that I'm going to make it. It's just, I have to be on TV. Right. This is my road to be on TV. Right. That's how you felt. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was just one of those things where, and you said that perfectly when I first met you in the gym and so on and so forth is they, in professional wrestling, it's called the airport test is can you walk through an airport without turning a head? And it's like, I can't walk through an airport without somebody turning their head going, he does something. Yeah. He's not normal. He doesn't look normal. And honestly, that's why I don't really like going out in public too much is because I usually get the look like, or people find me very intimidating or very, are very turned off by me because of how I look. I'm very, I'm a big rugged looking motherfucker, you know, to be honest, you know, but I built myself that way. So I do stand out in front of, you know, the normal Joe Schmo on the side of the fucking street, you know? And yeah, it was one of those things where it's just like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. How do I make this happen? And that's what people forget about in the world of professional wrestling or even being an actor or being whatever the fuck they want to be, you know? is the drive and the fucking hunger. The shit's not coming to your fucking door. I don't care how gorgeous you are or how good looking of a fucking wrestler you are or how many flips you can do or how many kicks you can fucking do or whatever the fuck it is. You know, they're not coming to your fucking door because they got 12 to 14 to 17,000 other fucking dudes that can do the same fucking shit Mm -hmm. you can do. Yeah. You know? So what stands you out? What stands me out is... No, 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 not you. People in general right. to get to that. To get that thing is you need to be visible. Because if you're not visible, you're invisible. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're like not that. visible, you're invisible. You know what I'm saying? I just came up with that. I might steal that. Hashtags. That's stole. A, stole really it. Don't, good. don't, you know. Um, don't try to steal that, listeners. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, that's straight out. Like Because if you're not putting yourself out in front of them, just like with an actor, if you're not putting yourself on set, they're not going to know you exist. You know, that's why you have to do everything you can to be visible. And I did everything I could to be visible. I went to Ring of Honor on a gut feeling. Mm. And you got to follow your gut sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. You know. All the time, right? I was hot on the independence because I did a podcast just like this. I was standing this far away from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right here. I did Steve Austin's podcast. That launched me into a different wrestling bracket. Into a thing that we call on the on in the professional wrestling world is an indie darling. Right? Is where now all of a sudden you're getting some buzz. You're getting some kind of right. you know steam behind you, right? So you're um you're flying everywhere every weekend. Now your booking rate has gone up. Now you're selling more merchandise. And now you're you're constantly, you're in Louisiana one night, Seattle the next night, Texas the next night. Then you're coming home and you're home for 48 hours. And then you're off to here. And now you're becoming an indie darling. Now you're kind of becoming a household name. 
And Ring of Honor, I've always wanted to go to a Ring of Honor show. And they always are an East Coast-based company. But they always came to Las Vegas. Always came to Las Vegas, right? And I always wanted to go to a Ring of Honor show. So something in my gut told me to go to a Ring of Honor show. Block out your weekend. Go be presentable at Ring Mm. of Honor. So I contacted a buddy who lives in Vegas who I know that's done work for them multiple times. You know, just as extra work, which means like being an extra hand, mm-hmm. right? Just being there, being an extra hand. And they, I got, he told me, yeah, be there by this time and yada, yada, yada. Dude, I got there. He goes, if the trucks are there, they're there. So I got there at like 10 o'clock and I was, it was at Samstown in Las Vegas. And I was going around that building, brother, constantly just going around that building trying to find my way in. I was shaking fucking doors. I was, I was doing everything just to try to get the fuck in there. Right. Finally, I got, I got eyes of a guy named bird who now works for AEW as the head of the ring crew at AEW. He goes, Hey man, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm here for, to help out whatever you guys need. Like I'm here for ring of honor, whatever you need. He goes, Oh cool, man. We don't meet until 12. So just pretty much go fuck off for a little bit. You know what I mean? And like in the nicest way terms, like just go fuck off, go find something to eat, go do whatever it is you need to do and come back at 12. Um, so I came back at 12 and, um, man, I busted my ass that weekend, whatever they needed me to do. I was there just unloading the truck, lifting everything, putting the ring together, just whatever they needed me to do. Next thing you know, I caught eyes of a guy named Ryan Ginley, who was head of, you know, ring crew slash, I think he was doing the audio. And so he, I caught his eye and he's like, dude, you aren't normal. Like, like you're, you look like a wrestler. You, you walk like a wrestler, you know, you talk like a wrestler, like what's your story? And I kind of told him and then he's like, all right, man. So just keep doing what you're doing. So I was next thing you know, I got like an earlier call time. It was pay-per-view day. I think it was, it was the day before. How ne- long ago was this? <sighs> Three years ago. Okay. Something like that. I'm trying to remember. I think it was pay-per-view day. It was the day before pay-per-view. I'm trying to remember. Cause they did the 17th anniversary pay-per-view that I was at. And that was my first ring of honor show was the 17th anniversary anniversary of, pay, of the, of, uh, of ring of honor. And it was Jay lethal versus Matt Taven in an, and they did like an hour long, I want to say they did like an hour long Broadway, which means they went a whole hour without anybody winning, you know, and I'm, and it was amazing. It was just such one of the best matches I've seen, you know, lethal was amazing, amazing. Matt Taven's amazing. So it worked out well. Um, I got an earlier call time than anybody did that day for production. They're like, Hey, I want you here at like nine and everybody else was supposed to be there at like noon. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then they were like, hey, we need you to take these mats down. We need you to do this. And I was like, fuck it. I don't care. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I don't give yeah. a shit. I just want to be here. And then um, Ryan goes, every day, and then show's about to start, talent showing up, so on and so forth, right? And I knew some of the talent from working the indies. So I knew some of the talent that was already there, like Jeff Cobb. And, you know, I think there was a couple others that knew who I was that I've wrestled on the independents, right? And they were signed to Ring of Honor. So they kind of like, kind of gave me the rundown of like how things work there and so on and so forth. So it worked out really, really well. And then everybody else got a job and I didn't get a job. 
Meaning like everybody else had like a standard job to do while at the show, like the extras, like there was four people in the box, which means like they got streamers and they kind of helped out when they needed to inside the box. And then there was a couple guys that worked backstage to help, you know, a hand backstage. I didn't get a job. Right. Because number one, they didn't want to put me on television because of my size and the way I look. Right. So they go, Hey, um, I have the perfect job for you. And I go, okay. So they put me by the main dojo coach and the main, I want to say he was like the second producer for ring of honor at the time. And his name was Joey Mercury and me and Mercury have a little bit of a history. Thankfully he doesn't remember me cause he does a lot of drugs. Um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so he put me next to Joey Mercury and Mercury pretty much just pretty much just kind of looked at me and was like, what do you want to do to fucking job? And I go, yeah, I want a fucking job. Right. He goes, well, who trained you? And that's kind of a loaded question of who trained me. Right. So I was like, uh, uh. I was like, oh, I'm from San Luis Obispo. He's like, great. And I know where the fuck you're from. So who the fuck trained you? And I'm like, I'm still kind of avoiding the question. Right. So I kind of find, I finally tell him who fucking trained me. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, do you have like a resume? You know, do you have something? And I know I'm talking a lot, so just butt in whenever the fuck you no, want me to butt in. This is all you. Man. <laughs> you butt in when you want me to butt in, dude. I can talk for fucking ever. It's part of my job now, so I can just kind of just keep doing whatever I'm doing. Um, I remember taking a a, uh, and I've told this story so many fucking times. Um, I've I've done uh, I did a seminar with a guy named Billy Gunn, badass Billy Gunn. He was big back in the back in the day, you know, new age outlaws. And now he's big on AEW television with his sons, you know, the, the, the gun club, the ass boys. He goes, um, he goes, if you want a job, make sure you have an eight by 10 and a resume on you at all times. And just constantly send it, constantly send it, constantly send it. Because it's the same thing of, if, if they don't know who you are, they're never going to fucking know you. Yeah. Right. So be visible instead of invisible. Right. So I remember that. So that day, um, after the pay-per-view, they were doing television the next day, right? So I remembered that being said. So I went the next morning early to like a FedEx store, or UPS store, and I printed out an eight by 10 and I had my resume and I glued my resume to the back of it. And I went up to Joey the next day and I said, hey, instead of me emailing you here, and I gave him my resume and my eight by 10. And he goes, and he was, he was really kind of drugged out, but he's just like, oh, okay. Cool, and he hands it to Will Ferreira, right? Who was like his right-hand man, right? Who worked Gorilla. Next thing you know, we go through television. They don't use me at all for television. I stay until like one o'clock in the morning, breaking everything down while everybody else was, you know, all the other extras were like, hey, you know, we're out of your piece. You know, I was like, I'm breaking everything down. Um, and finally, they're like, hey, man, you're good. You can go wherever you want to go. You know, just do whatever you want. I was like, all right, cool. I had like a flight at like six in the morning. So I was just like, I'm just going to go straight to the airport. It doesn't really fucking matter. Make a long story. Make a long story short. Um, about a week later, um, I was supposed to be in New York for WrestleCon, which is WrestleMania weekend, which WrestleMania is WWE, which they run a huge weekend every year. They call it WrestleMania weekend. A lot of companies run excuse me, um, a lot of companies run, uh, ring of honor runs, GCW runs. Like it's just a huge wrestling kind of like convention thing. And I was going to do a signing there. And then I had a booking as well. Well, they texted me about a week 
after Las Vegas. And they're like, Hey man, um, you want to come to Ma- You're going to be in New York. And I go, yeah, man, I have this and that. And he goes, you go, you want to come to Madison square garden? And I'm like, because they were doing a combined show with ring of honor and new Japan, the G one Supercard, And I go, yeah, man, I would love that. He goes, cool, man. We'll be in touch. And then I didn't hear shit. <laughs> After that. Um, and then I'm at WrestleCon and I'm doing a signing at WrestleCon. Next thing you know, my phone goes off and it was the head of the ring crew. And he goes, hey, make sure you're here by this time tomorrow morning. And I'm like, could you even do that? Uh, I made it happen because I had a booking that night at like one in the morning. And so I had to cancel it. No, I went. Oh. No, fuck that. No, I'm dude. Well, just because of time. Like, I live you- off sleep. I live off no sleep. It's just the way it is, dude. So I went, did the booking, got back to my hotel at like three or four in the morning. I had to be at Madison Square Garden by like eight or nine in the morning. All suited and booted, right? And I wasn't going to Uber to Madison Square Garden because I was staying downtown New York anyway. And... Oh, no. I'm sorry. I thought you were states away. Like no, I no, 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 yeah, no. Okay. I was already in New York. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, 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 no, no, no. Um, and I was going to, um, I was going to be uh, the Uber prices, and I was broke. Just bro- we were we we did like eight in a hotel room because we were all broke. So we all went in on this hotel room, eight in a hotel room. I was sleeping on the floor. I brought my own meals with no refrigerator, but trying to keep the the meals cold as much as I possibly could with like the ice machines. And like, I was broke bro. And it was like chicken and like asparagus. That's how broke I was. Right. And, uh, I'm still broke, but you know, it still works out, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm not broke. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so they text me and they're like, Hey, can you be here by like nine in the morning? Yada, yada, yada. So on and so forth. So I walked 27 blocks. Cause I didn't want to pay for an Uber. Cause the Uber was like 60, $70. Mm-hmm. I walked all the way through Times Square <laughs> in a suit and my fucking wrestling bag. <laughs> nobody probably batted an eye though. Nobody batted a fucking eye. Yeah. yeah bro. It's New York. Nobody batted an eye. So I got my gear bag and I got my suit and I'm walking 26 something fucking blocks to Madison Square Garden. And your suit is what? And my suit is, no, no I'm full suited and booted. Like I'm full. No, no, no. Not my wrestling gear. Oh, not no, no, wrestling no. gear. I wasn't okay. in wrestling gear. I was in a suit suit. Gotcha. Right? I was in a suit suit, right? I get to Madison Square Garden and um, they give me my pass and I get in, right? And Madison Square Garden is fucking beautiful. I've never been to a place like that in my life. Fucking beautiful. And <laughs> I get there and I'm maybe, maybe there for about, and I had long hair at the time. I had really long hair. Mm. And I was there for maybe about 15 minutes. Joey comes up and gives me what we call the Iggy and the elbow, the Iggy, which is like a squeeze, gives me the Iggy and he goes, come with me. And I go, okay, shit. Am I in trouble? Like I just got here. Right. And then, um, he goes and pulls me in the office with a lot of the executives. And, uh, I think, uh, Will Ferrara was in there. Joey, uh, Gary Juster was in there. Um, I think Greg, Gillian was in there. I'm trying to remember. Bully Ray was in there. And um, just, and they pretty much just like, first off, he asked me if I was married to my hair. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, are they talking about like cutting my fucking hair? Like, this sucks. Like, are you going to cut my fucking hair? I don't want you to cut my hair. 
Like I worked hard on my hair, you know, but I, but I didn't care. Like I wanted a job, but that, you know, I was like, I'm not married to it. Why you want to dye it pink? What do you want to do with it? You want to cut it? What do you want to do? And he goes, all right. And they asked me, they pretty much drilled me. They're like, why haven't you been signed yet? If we invest money into you, because that's the thing though, is when they, when you sign a wrestling contract for X amount of dollars, they're planning on making three times that amount off of you. People don't understand that. People just see the glamour, the glitz, and the whatnot. They expect to make three times that amount off of you. Sure. Off business. merchandise, TV, so on and so forth. Because they're investing that money into you. That's just not money you're taking. That's an investment on them. Mm-hmm. So they're like, if we invest money into you, why, you know, how much backlash are we going to get? And I'm like, well, I am a recovering addict and it is kind of out there that I, you know, I kind of messed up in the ring one time because I was drunk and I was, it was stupid, really dumb of me. And I was going through, a, you know, a fucking a, a divorce and, and it was going through a lot of shit mentally. Right. So, and they're like, oh, we don't really care about that. Like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know? All right. And I was very open with it. I was like, yeah, I did Steve Austin podcast and yada, yada. They asked me how I got Steve Austin podcast. I told them. And then um, they offered me my tryout. And they're like, we have a tryout May in May, first week of May. And this was the first week of April. He goes, you think you'll be ready for the tryout? And I was like, fuck yeah. He goes, cool. We'll be in contact. Get the fuck out of my office. And I was like, oh, okay. Bye. He said, get the fuck uh, out no, of my not, office. No, not, not get the fuck <laughs> out of my like, office. But uh, it was kind of like, a, kind of like, okay, you can go now. Yeah. But it, what was funny though is because when I was in the office, a couple of the New Japan guys walked in. And without knocking or anything, they just kind of walked in. And then a couple of the Ring of Honor talent walked in. And one of the guys named Juice Robinson walked in. And he's like, and I was just on a show with Juice like a week before. And he walked in. He's like, oh, dude, what's up, man? Give me a big old hug and shit. And like, Joey asked Juice, he's like, oh, you know this guy? And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, is he any good? He goes, he's fucking pretty good. And he goes, all right. And he goes, I didn't know you guys were in a meeting. I'll fucking leave. And then after that, he's like, okay, you can leave. Your tryouts in May. We'll be in contact. When you heard that he was going to give you tryouts, what was the feeling like? Um, I was excited. I was like, I was nervous and excited because at the tryout, you have to understand that there's going to be 25 to 30 people looking for a job. So it's not like you're getting a job, you know, on top of that, I had a WWE tryout in 2013 that didn't go very well at all, but I was also really high. You know, I'm sober now, almost eight years, but and yeah. it was 2013 though. Yeah. So you've got time to evolve and, and yeah, develop, develop absolutely. yourself more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was when I was 2013, I think it was 2012, 2013, one of those two. Um, and I was very fresh in the business too. Like I was very like six months, like WWE was knocking on my door at like six months into the business because of my height, my look, all of that. And I pretty much had the golden ticket and I pissed it down the drain because I was all high on drugs and alcohol, yeah. you know? It is what it is. You know, there's a reason why your journey happens. That wasn't my journey. So my journey led me this way. Mm. So there's a reason why. Right. So when I got to the tryout, it was in Baltimore, Maryland. They contacted me, told me all the stuff, you know, yada, yada, yada. I got to the tryout and I, I did really well at the tryout. It wasn't anything like I was expecting because at the WWE tryout, man, they blow you up. Like it's all cardio conditioning. Mm. They blow you up, man. They try to literally mentally break you at a WWE tryout. 
to see how far you will mentally push your body physically, mentally, and emotionally. The Ring of Honor tryout, I stood around most of the time in my gear going, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) To be 100% honest, I was like, why the fuck am I in gear right now and I'm sitting in the fucking corner? Right? right? Like, what are we doing? Because they're like, we're going to break up half these guys and we're going to go do promos here. And then some of you guys were going to do in ring work here. And I was like, okay. And then after, after that, we're going to break for lunch and then we're going to do matches. Okay. So while you're fucking waiting for your turn to do a promo or your turn to be in the ring, you're just sitting. So you can get as warm as you want. Guarantee, bro, you're going to cool the fuck down because you're just sitting there. You're trying to stay warm. Yeah. But like, you're not getting in the ring for an hour, hour and a half. So you're like, fuck, dude, like I'm bored as fuck. And like, you don't want to pull out your phone because that's disrespectful. Yeah. So you're just like, fuck, I'm really fucking bored right now. <laughs> like this sucks, you know? And then, uh, I cut a promo. Uh, my promo was pretty, I, I came in with this promo that was pretty, very wrestler and very generic. Like I'm coming for you brother and da, 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 da. And they were just, they weren't into it. They were just like, what else you got, man? That's Hulk. That's Hulk very Hogan, like, man. it was very like, yeah, it was very wrestler. And I remember doing uh, a promo for Paul Heyman. And I remember doing it in the promo room with them. It was like Paul, Re- Paul Heyman, William Regal, and, you know, a couple other big, bigger names. And they just told me to tell a story. Tell me a story. Doesn't matter if it's real. Doesn't matter if it's fake, but make us believe the story. Right, because that's what wrestling is. We're telling stories with our bodies, with our minds, with our mouths. We want to. They want to know if you can get a story over, right? And I remember cutting this promo. On it was pretty fucked up, dude. It was really fucked. It was. I, I pulled on some strings, bro. Like about getting a call in the middle of the night and waking up and and that I, I woke up to a call in the middle of the night from the police because my my wife at the time and my daughter died in a car crash. And I was, uh, and I just, I, I went to town on that and did what I could with it. And I, I, I was crying. I was showing emotion. I was doing everything. And to the point of like, they stopped me in the promo, Paul Heyman, you know, this is fucking Paul Heyman, you know, stops me in the promo and asked me if it was real because I had everybody crying in the, in the room. And I, and I looked at him, I said, not a fucking word. And he's like, he threw his papers. Like, what the fuck? That was fucking awesome. And then they offered me my tryout for WWE afterwards. So I knew Ian Riccoboni just had a baby. I, I, I do my homework on these guys, right? I knew Ian Riccoboni just had a baby. So I go, I'm going to tug on his fucking strings. So I do the same exact promo, right? So they're like, do your, you know, they didn't like the wrestler. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell him a story. So I asked him if I can do it again. I was like, can I do another promo? Like, please. And he goes, sure, man. Show me something else you got. And I, I told him the story. And he was crying. I think, what, what was her name? Um, Kelly, um, something Kelly. I don't remember the fuck her name was. Um, she was crying. I had a lot of the other tryouts, tryout people crying. And then... Ian came up and gave me a hug and he's like, I'm so sorry, dude. Like that. I'm so sorry. Like, cause I was crying and you know, doing the real motion thing. And as I'm hugging Ian, I whisper in his ear, I said, it's not fucking real. And he like pulls me back and he's like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, not a fucking word of it. 
And he's like, oh my fucking God. And then next thing you know, I, it was that. And then I did a match the next day and then they offered me my dojo spot. Like it was just like, and then it all happened within a year. I was in California one minute in Baltimore by the end of the year. Boom. Bang, 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 bang. So all on a gut feeling. Yeah. So let's back up. Let's to, back up. To where you were a year prior. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think that your life, because this is this has been something that's happened in my life, and I've had a you know a perspective on when I sit and actually meditate on my life for the last five years or whatever, last three years, and I think to myself, how the fuck did I get here, man? Like I'm not saying I'm anywhere, but in terms of where I was or what I was doing at the time, or it's like your life can shift and change so dramatically within a year. Yeah, and. So where you were a year prior, what were you, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Did you even think it was a possibility that you could be where you're at now? Was it bigger where you ended up going than you thought? What? It was, oh, I was working a, <laughs> I was working a dead end job. I was installing internet. I was a cable guy. I went from installing TV to being on TV. That's the best way I can put it. I hated my fucking job. I hated working a nine to five and all I wanted to do was wrestle. So I'd work a nine to five and then I would go and wrestle on the weekends, get back, go back to my nine to five Monday through Friday. And sometimes I would call in sick on Fridays cause I had a show Friday night, mm-hmm. you know, and my bosses knew what the fuck I was doing. They knew I was wrestling, you know? And it was one of those things where it came to term where I was getting re- I got booked for an England tour and I was gone, going to be gone for a month. And they're like, well, we can't hold your job for a month. So one of two things is going to happen. You're going to quit, you know, or you're just not going to show up and we're going to fire you. And I was like, well, here's me putting my two weeks. I'll figure it out. And after I got back from England, brother, I was fucking broke. I was broke, like hiding from my landlord couldn't pay rent, um, hiding my cars cause they were going to get fucking repossessed. Like I was fucking broke. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you can do that and get another job when you come back. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. even if it's busing at a restaurant, Well, I did that. So you know, you have to do that while sometimes. I was wrestling almost after the Steve Austin podcast hit, which was bringing in some money. Right. Um, I was working at the UPS store doing, you know, odd end jobs for them yeah. the best I could. And then wrestling on the weekends gone, you know, Tuesday, you know, gone Thursday through Monday and then working part time, you know, doing what I had to do to make ends meet, you know, but with a wrestler schedule, it's so hard to do just a normal nine to five job because you never know when you're going to get that call and you got to go, you know, I could get a call right now and be like, I would end this and be like, yo, I got to go wrestle a couple hours away, dude. Sorry, man. This is the way I make money. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's just the way that my mind works. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, um, making the next dollar. Cause I have a, I have a, I have a, you know, a life to support. Right. But I'm also wrestling is my drug. You know, I need that fix. I need to be in the ring. I need to be in front of people. I need to be in front of, you know, I'm safe inside those ropes. I'm safe. That's my safe space. Right. Because yeah. your true self can come out, man. Yeah, you man. Know? 
Yeah, and I love wrestling. I love, and people go, well, that shit's fake, man. Why Why do you love fake? It's fake. Well, acting is fake too. Exactly. People love acting. Brother, nail on the head. Nail on the head, right there. Would you ever call Iron Man fake? But you'll sit there and watch him for three and a half hours. Or Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. She's so hot. Um, she is all fake, bro. But the fact is, you're she's real to me. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel, Rachel is fake on Friends, but yes. it's like she's playing out a role, and yeah. we're just playing out roles in life. And the point is, find the role that you want to play, man. So yeah. you're gonna be best at that role, yep. and you found that role, and so. The problem with most people and specifically the people that listen to this podcast is they don't know what role they need to play or they should play or they right. want to play. And so they're meandering through life in a sort of, um, haze. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like they, a haze, they don't yeah. know where to go, what to do. And they get jaded by people telling them what they need to do instead of what listening to their own self. I hate that. I hate and, it with a passion, man. People yeah. get so like. It's one of those things, man, where like they don't know the way and then they get stuck because they, they need that, you know, income or they need, you know, and they have a X, Y, and Z to support and so on and so forth. But all they're doing is sacrificing the dream that they really want to do. And I, that is rough for me to see. I hate that because people, people get stuck, you know, and with my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash sledge805, come join. Um, we are a community, right? So we have people from all around the world. We, we, we look out for each other. And there's a person in Ireland, I want to say she is. She's getting out of a bad marriage. Her husband beat the shit out of her. And she was so afraid to leave because she was so used to that. So people get so mm. used to that style of life. So they think that that style of life is normal, Right? So they get their minds programmed to that's the style of life that I am. This is what I'm meant to do with my life is get beat up or, or I'm a construction worker, but I'm meant to do something else because their hobby people will beat them down saying that's not a real job. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know I'm jumping all over the place and I'm sorry, but you create your own narrative. You only get one life to live, Right. So if you want to go after your dreams and pursue your fucking happiness, your happiness, your safe space, the only one that's going to stop you from fucking doing that, dude, is you. Fuck all the naysayers. Fuck all the people that say that you can't do it. You know why they tell you you can't do it? Because they're too fucking scared to do it themselves. That's why. They're too fucking scared to go out and live their own fucking dreams. So they're going to try to beat you the fuck down so that they feel better about themselves. But when you go and you achieve that fucking dream, all of a sudden those motherfuckers come out of the woodworks and go, I knew you could do it all along. That's a, that's the, that's the, the, the theme that seemingly perpetuates, um, with, from person to person that does actually make it. Let's put this in a practical application here. So you have a person that's, got obligations he's got a he's got a wife he has kids mm -hmm. he works a nine to five there is something that he knows he's good at or great at even yep but because he has obligations he cannot put this into practice because it's kind of like sort of a pipe dream at this point right okay 
So there's for people that are listening, this is for you. So you have that person. Then you also have the person that doesn't have any other obligations, no responsibilities, and is just has a lackluster attitude, no motive to do anything, no inspiration for anything, no discipline, etc. Stays in his mom base his mom's basement and plays video games, etc. Orders pizza. Okay. That person, the the one person that has obligations. He has one or two choices. He can abdicate himself from the possibility of becoming anything with this particular dream that he's, that he wants to, to obviously, uh, materialize or he can, I'm sorry, not do that. Or he can work weekends apart from his nine to five, do his thing on the weekends and on the hours that he's not working and yep. just keep dabbling in that specific craft until something pops, something happens, right? Absolutely. The other person that doesn't have obligations, responsibilities has it easy. All they have to do is derive discipline, set structure, set discipline and keep consistent at discipline. And because they don't have any obligations, they can do this whenever they want. They can keep anytime they want. Right. So it's like, the people that have families have it more rough because they have an obligation to their wife, to their kids, to uphold them. And as men, we have to provide. That's right. part of our, it's, it's part, part of Sorry, the fucking DNA, bro. Exactly. Yep. So we want to still do that and we can do that with a nine to five, but because we have this belief set that we have, or we're born for something greater, something bigger that's out there. We just haven't seen it materialize yet. We ha- we owe it to ourselves. There's an obligation to ourselves in terms of our own creation to continue to predicate that other time towards a specific craft. No matter if it takes five, six, seven, 18 years, we have to keep doing it. Right. Because eventually something's going to happen. Either you're going to die and nothing will happen because you're dead. Right. Or something's going to actually man- trend transcend the trajectory in a different way because you've kept going and that's the problem most people are not hungry and you were hungry and that's the reason why you took fucking bitch jobs in the beginning because it puts you in the stadium right all you needed to do was to be in the stadium to be recognized to then be put on tv because once you're on tv you have this belief set that you're gonna make it after that and i believe that a lot of people are the same way just give me the podium. Give it to Just me. Just give me the podium. Give me the fucking one stick. One time. One Just time. Give me man. the stick. Yep. And so you were hungry, but not just hungry. You were ready. Yeah. And you just needed your opportunity, man. That's it. You know, and that's that's the thing is a lot of people, and that's the thing is a lot of people might be ready, right? But the right opportunity hasn't presented themselves, right? So instead of waiting for an opportunity, go get that opportunity. Yeah. Make yourself visible. You know, that's it. Make yourself visible, you know? And that's what you did, man. But, but to the people that are listening that are like, but I don't know how to fucking do that. Oh my God. We're such an entrepreneur world. You could do fucking anything. If you put your mind to it, you could fucking literally do anything in this world. So talk to them, tell them how they should do it. Well, first off, find your niche. That's the best way to put it. Find your niche, find what you're good at. What you believe you're good at, Mm. right? That people go, why are you not doing this for a living, right? Why are you not doing this instead of this? That's good. That's the big one is finding your niche. Once you find your niche, find your avenue. Use social media. Social media is such a fucking tool. I was talking to you before we went live, 
You know, social media is such a fucking tool, man. And if you know how to use social media properly, it could really help you. If you don't know how to use it properly, it's going to fucking pretty much bury you to a point. You know what I'm saying? Um, and find that niche, that, that right market for you and go after that market and knock on every single door in that market. Like the professional wrestling world. There's so many different companies now because professional wrestling right now is booming. It usually booms for about five to six years. Then it dips down. Then it comes back. Then it dips down. And there's so many different avenues to go on television, to get on television. There's different companies that are doing television product, but aren't on the mainstream, but still getting you ready for television. It's just, you know, and I'm talking, you know, just finding that niche, finding that edge that you need to help get to the platform that you want to go. And that's like, if you want to be a, they have like tattoo fucking shows. They have welding shows, car shows. They have fucking, you name it, dude. It's out there. Dude, the entrepreneurs are making fucking money off of YouTube doing vlogs. I mean, anything you want to do. And that's the big thing about using social media as that tool. So say you're a carpenter or you're a, you're a welder or you're a fitness or you're a this and you're that dude. YouTube is such a fucking great tool because all you got to do is get in that right algorithm and then bam, next thing you know, you're fucking, your views are shot up. You're this and that same with TikTok. You just got to get in that right Avenue, that niche and go after that niche. Bam. Next thing you know, like I said, like I told you before, when we were, before we were live, my Twitch channel, I've been going after my Twitch channel for about a year and a half now, ever since COVID, right? And it's grown dramatically over this last year because I went after TikTok. And TikTok, I found my wrestling niche in TikTok and I talk wrestling on TikTok. And uh, at Sledge805, if you're listening to this, come join. And they gravitated from TikTok over to my Twitch. And then they listen to me talk just like we're doing me and you right now about wrestling. And then we watch wrestling and we do something with wrestling and yada, yada, yada. And then bam, next year. And I grew it almost by 700 people by December. I was barely at like a thousand people. And now I'm at almost 2000, seven, I'm almost at 1700. Now I'm almost at 2000. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just finding that niche and knowing what you're good at to talk about or finding those people that you want to talk shit with and then going after it. That's it. That's the bottom line is like, see the vision, create a vision and go after the vision, you know, and it's easier said than done. I get it. It's easier said than done. Yeah. And sometimes it takes years to even years. get to that, to that end point that you're speaking. Bro, of. I, gr- I grinded on the indie scene, on the independent scene for almost fucking seven to eight years before I was even noticed. That's how long it takes though. Most people don't realize it takes about 10 years yeah. for you to develop what you actually see yourself as. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. A lot of people, we're such in a gratified world right now where they want instant gratification. You know what I'm saying? They, they're not willing to work. If my, if my Instagram like doesn't get fucking 400 likes, then uh, damn, I, I guess I'm going to try something else to get that instant popularity or whatever the fuck, you know? And People don't understand that it's a fucking grind. You have to keep grinding and you're going to have those up days. You're going to have those down days. You're going to have a lot more downs and you're going to have ups. But what happens is once you get those up days, you're going to forget about those down days. You know what I'm saying? And I have those days even now to this day, me being on television, I've done film, I've done, 
you you pretty much name it in the television world i've kind of done it and i'm still having those down days of man am i doing something like should i just go get a normal fucking job you know but then i think to myself especially this last year now since i'm a free agent i'm still trying to figure out where my next paycheck's coming in you know so on and so forth right but I enjoy the hustle, you know, which is, I enjoy the grind, the hustle, you know, don't take it as I'm hustling you guys money or anything like that. I'm, I enjoy the grind, you know, um, that, you know, I, I think to myself, man, I could really easily just kind of just go get a job at bonds and not have to worry about it. And then boom, all my bills are paid and yeah, you'll live with regret, but I'll live with regret. Exactly. Exactly. I'll live with regret. I'll fucking, I'll go to work every single day, fucking miserable. And think to myself, and I've thought about it multiple times, deactivating all my fucking accounts. As have I. And just go. As have I. And just go and just be a normal human being. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And just go and just be. But the minute, and, and, and maybe it's an ego thing. I'm not quite sure, but it's okay. Because we're in an ego-driven world as well. Is I know the minute I go and fucking work at a Vons or something like that, I'm going to get fucking recognized. And that's going to fucking hurt me. That's going to stab me in the fucking heart. Well, you've let yourself down at that point. Yes, right? exactly. I've let myself down. I've, I've, I've let my vision and my grind and all that. I let the outside world win is the best way to put it. You know what I'm saying? So I uh, absolutely empathize with what you're saying. Um, I am a nobody and I have still thought that same thing like I need to like I want to I fantasize about and I don't I don't share this I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast maybe I have one Hell yeah. I don't know we're getting deep but the thing is is that I would fantasize about essentially um not giving up on the on any type of dream I had but just releasing myself of the burdens that I have currently and wiping my Instagram clean. Like, I don't care about Instagram. The only reason why I have Instagram now is basically for the podcast. That's it. Um, and then moving and getting a job being a busboy or something until I figure my life out. Yeah. At, at some, to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, by the way, I don't have this shit figured out. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just do what I have already materialized and, 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 facilitate on that every day yeah. until I keep doing this and I stack so much that something happens off of these chips that I've stacked. Yeah. I don't even know what chips I'm stacking. You're just fucking going. I'm just going Yeah, and because to me, I can't not do these things. So, but I have fantasized with the same kind of dream. Like I want to just release myself of all this stuff and yeah, I still podcast because I just like talking, but, and I like having people on such as yourself, man. I mean, not even just fuck. I, ha- I don't have people. I don't need to have people that are fucking famous that have massive accounts. I get people on here that have two or 300 followers. Yeah. What I care about is the story, right? So all I care about is their story and I'm, I'm fascinated with their story and how they got to where they're at and what they plan on doing next. And that can also bode for the person that's listening because maybe they're in a dire situation. Absolutely. So that's what it's about for me and this podcast platform. And so that's what I keep facilitating on. I don't care that people, I mean, it's great when people have a store, have a, a famous story, mm-hmm. but if they don't, they don't. Right. I care about the story. So 
But I've also thought about doing the same thing, man. And it's just like, it's only because I want to break from trying to make something happen that I don't know if is even going to happen. It's fucking draining. But that's the problem about being a man is men carry the burden of creation. Right. And you have to fucking create if you're a man. You're not born with this value. You have to create the value. And so by by extension, your pursuit is on the line. Yep. So this is my pursuit. This is your pursuit. And we cannot absolve ourselves of said pursuit because if we do, we're basically absolving ourselves of part of our identity. And that's not something that I or you, I don't think are willing to negotiate with. No. Period. Not at all. So that's why we keep going, man. Yeah. And that's why we do what we're doing. And that's why men do the jobs that they do just on the, on the, just on the, on the, on the regular, because they're trying to create themselves. They want to build a life so that they can have inhabit the lives of their family and really just adopt their family into doing something or into having something that is tangibly comfortable. Yes. And so. That's why we do it though. We do it to have a family, right? We do it to be able to, nope. to, to, to procreate. And what I love about the lifestyle that I live is, and probably the lifestyle you live as well is we could kind of do to a point, kind of whatever we want. Like I don't have a nine to five. Like if I feel like taking the day off, I could take the day off. I don't have to answer to anybody. As long as I answer my business emails or my whatever it is to that day, I could, I have pretty much have free day. And that's a beautiful thing. Cause if I'm having a shit day, right. And I'm having a mental day. Cause we all have mental days, man. We, I'm, I, I battle, you know, depression. I do. I'm on medication for depression. Like I battle it badly. Um, that if I'm having a depression day and I'm having just a bad mental day, I can literally just check out for the day. I don't have to answer to a boss. I don't have somebody crawling up my ass. I don't have any of that. I literally can fucking just take the day, shut my phone off, watch TV on my, on my couch and cuddle with my dogs if I want to. You know what I mean? And that's a beautiful thing. And I want everybody to have that kind of freedom. And don't get me wrong. Like that freedom comes in time though. You have to grind to get that freedom. And I have obligations, but at the same time though, is like, I love my freedom as well. And I'm not willing to give up that freedom yet. I'm not willing to give it the freedom just to work for some dude. You know what I mean? So, and I have other avenues that I'm working on, like my Twitch channel, like, you know, um, which my Twitch channel is kind of like this. It's kind of like a podcast to a point, but it's live video. I'm have a camera in my face. I actually have four cameras in my face. Um, I, my, my studio is ridiculous at home. I've spent way too much money on it. I literally could buy a nice car with how much shit I have in my fucking studio. It's stupid. Um, but I love it so much because I've, that's another avenue that I've dove into because I'm, I have such, just like you said, we have a creative mind. We have creative minds and we constantly have to be creating, right? And I have to constantly be creating something or I just go fucking nuts mm. and I go crazy, right? And a lot of men and a lot of women, you know, have those creative minds. They just don't know how to use them, you know? I've known so many beautiful artists who are just like, just won't do anything with it. And I'm like, why? Oh, because the market is just so stacked. Right, but you have this certain style though that not many people may see or barely see, right? So go after it, you know? Oh yeah, but 
I have this, that, and this and that. And I just kind of do it on my free time. But yeah, but I would buy that painting for X, Y, and Z. That could be your, that could be your rent for the month. And guess what? You just made your rent without having to do whatever it is that you want. You had to do. Now you did something that you loved to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm kind of rambling, but that's kind of the way I, my mind works. So no. And, and that's something that I think more people need to understand because even though it's not simple and easy, it really is when you, when you break, when you dissect everything down to its nuts and bolts, it really is that simple. It it's is. just based on if you, this whole thing is predicated on if you have the energy and the discipline and you want to put forth the effort into making or materializing whatever it is you're really good at. Or you, like you said, why aren't you do? Why isn't somebody paying you to do this yet? Yeah. Because you're so undeniably good at it. Right. Why are you not yet getting paid to do this? You know, it's, it's almost like when I see a 30 year old female that's got no kids and not married, yep. I got to think something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. What the fuck yeah. happened to you? Right. Yeah. You're not, <laughs> what, what, what broke your fucking heart? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, and you're pretty to boot. Yeah. Right. So it's like, uh, you're, I, I can pretty much nail, nail it on the head though. 90% of the time it's because they're disagreeable. They're combative. They're independently driven. Yep. They don't need no man. And that's the reason why they don't have a man because we're going to hold another conversation there, but men don't like to adopt that. They want to protect and provide for a woman. Right. Period. Yeah. And they don't care what that woman comes along with in terms of what they're doing. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with a very, you know, dominating, not dominating woman, but like a very strong woman. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time though, is they need to understand that, yeah, you know, men like to be strong too. It's okay. It's well, all right. You have to let the man lead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I, yeah, I'll agree with you to that. Yeah. yeah. Because if you let the woman lead, by nature, she is not a leader. By nature, the man is the leader to the woman. In the household, the man is the leader. If you grew up in a family where the woman was more dominant... And you probably won't see things that way. But the man in the Bible, even the man is always the head. He's the leader. I, I agree to, di- will agree to disagree because I, I grew up, you know, with my father passing very early. Mm. Um, I, you know, a mother kind of led, but she didn't really lead very well. I kind of raised myself, but that's a whole nother story. Um, and I'm okay with being, and I love very dominant women. I do. I love very, I'm a very dominant human being. So if I can get a very dominant woman, woman that's just as dominating as I am. Fuck. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause we're both goal driven. That's what I love is I've, we're both goal driven. That means you're not going to get in the way of my goals. You're going to see my goals and you're going to help me achieve my goals. Mm-hmm. If you are a, not a very goal driven, then yes, you need that dominant man to help bring you along. Right. But if you're just as goal driven as your man is, that makes the man's process just, just easy. And then you help her achieve her goals. And then you guys are a very dominant team. Now we're not in a very, in the world that we live in right now, and I'm treading my words and I apologize. Um, we're not like that very much. They don't allow because of the woman power, I guess would be the best way to put it that they don't allow a man to lead or they don't allow a man to be equal with them. 
Right. They always want to be like, if a man can do it, a woman can fucking do right. it. Right. That's wrong. It's inaccurate because men are not equal to women, period. The reason, okay. The reason, so the reason why, no, this is factual. Okay. This is not yeah. up for debate. Okay. This is factual. So obviously in terms of strength and in terms of creative, creative, creating ability, men are far outweigh the women. Okay. Men built the world. As we know it, men built the world. Men built this house I live in. Men built the cars that we drive. Okay, I There's see where you're going There's a crew of men that built that, not at. a crew of women. Okay. Now, it is just what it is. This is not a fur debate. It's not me being misogynistic. This is not me being any type of toxic masculinity here. I'm not dispensing with that. This is factual. There's not, there was no debate centered around this. Everybody understands this. However, women, especially independent women, do not like to adopt this narrative because it seemingly puts a pejorative on them. And that's not what we're doing. It's like degrading men. to them. Yes. Yeah. We're not doing that. We're simply talking facts. If we, this is a 50, 50 situation here. Okay. But really we're not 50. We're not equal. And there is things that men do. There's things that women do. I'm not saying I'm not putting a pejorative or to be disparaging upon women, but there is a difference here. And the women, like you're seeing, this is whole, this whole women, centrist movement and whatever that is what's contaminating the man from being everything that the man is supposed to be not only in the world but in the relationship that's a fucking problem because it doesn't matter if you don't agree it's a problem that you have more masculine dominating women not allowing the man to be what they're supposed to be what they're created to be so let me let me let me tell you to you like this man when I look for a woman, you're mm -hmm. talking about a woman that drives you to be better in your goals. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's called inspirational. Right. We want inspirational women. Right. Now, what we don't want is a woman getting on your goal and saying, no, you can't do it like that. You got to do it like this and, and taking over the lead. Or telling you that you can't do it. Exactly. I hate that. Okay. Because <laughs> and so that's what we call, yeah. that's what we call non-compliant man. Right. We call not cooperative. Correct. We want a woman that's cooperative. Mm -hmm. We want a woman that's inspirational, right? These are feminine qualities. But at the same time though, is we don't want a woman to be quiet either. We want her to voice her opinion. That's not what we're saying here. Right. We're not saying be quiet. Right. We're saying be cooperative. There's a difference. Okay. So a woman can be inspirational and be cooperative and guide a man to be better. Right. And uphold a man to be better and everything kind of like what your mom did. Right. She upheld you to be your best. Okay. Well, let's just say, yeah, okay, let's just say we're not going to give her that much credit. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're not giving her, we're not giving her that much. She was, she went, once my dad passed, she kind of locked herself in a room and went into a depression. So I kind of, if anything, my sister raised me to a point, but yes. Okay. But a yeah. female. Yeah, absolutely. Female. Yeah. 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 Right. So that's what we're talking about now. It's because it's, very, very imperative that a, that a man has a female to build him up to. Correct. Does a man need a female? No, he doesn't need a female to navigate his way in the world here, but it helps him. Yes. It makes things better because at times that he needs nurturing, she's there. In times that he needs inspiration, she's there. But since the beginning of time, the beginning of fucking time, men have not needed women to build shit. And to create shit. They just have not. True. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So you juxtapose this to 
in the current in the in the beginning of time to now current day, things look a little They're different. They're called cavemen. Right. <laughs> things look a little different. I mean, even when we lived in trees and shit. Yeah. Things look different now. But what I'm saying is physiologically, or I'm sorry, psychologically, they should have not changed. This is the way that things work best, which is the reason why we see divorce rates so high nowadays. Correct. Why women are divorcing at 80% rate. Yep. Men don't divorce men. Men do not break the household. It's the women that mostly do. Now we're talking about generalities here, Sledge. Okay. We're not talking about the anomalies. Okay. The rarities. Okay. Those all exist. Unicorns exist, but not for purposes of this conversation or any purposes conversation that are whole generalities as the main probable circumstance. Okay. So generalities here, 80% of women are divorcing or leaving the household, not men. It shows that men are the loyal ones when it comes down to generalities here. Okay. Define generalities. Define that. 80% of the population. Right. But what about, you know, a lot of the reason why, and this is, I don't know facts or anything like that. And I usually don't jump down this rabbit hole that we're going down, but that's cool. We'll go. Um, (laughs) But a lot of the reason why, and you said 80% of women are are the ones that do divorce and the men are the ones that are usually um, faithful to a point. Isn't no, you, they're just loyal. Loyal. I'm sorry. Yeah. Loyal. Um, isn't loyalty and faithfulness kind of working the same? No, because no, a man, why? the faithfulness is, you're talking about faithfulness being a man sticking to the partner and, or being, being monog, uh, being sorry, uh, polygamous. Isn't that, isn't that loyalty though? Loyalty is providing what he in what he essentially told he was going to provide for in the first place, which was security and provision for the woman, mm-hmm. which is what women seek out. Women seek out predominantly security and provision in a male. They do not seek out. Oh, well, uh, but they I, seek out I loyalty want, as well though. Uh, yeah. But when you ask a poll of women, what's more important to you, security, provision, or loyalty, they're going to say security and provision. If that man, if they have, let's say that they get into a, to a, a a relationship and that man is a higher value man meaning that he has he has obviously great morals great integrity great ethics he makes a lot of money mm-hmm. he is but also because he all those things exist he's also has more options correct and he can exercise those options and nine times out of ten men will do that unless they have they come from a certain background that maybe their father held certain moral and integral high ground and didn't cheat on his wife. And they decide to not do that as well. But more often than not, and you'd be surprised when they ask women this, when they ask women, would you allow a man, if he was to provide security and provision for you, would you allow him if you didn't know about it and he wasn't going out there blabbing his mouth and showcasing that he was he was having other affairs. Right. Would you allow it and turn a blind eye? And most women strikingly say, I wouldn't mind because really, yes, I Interesting. know. That I know. Blows my mind. It is impressive because, Very impressive. but basically what it boils down to is primitive roots. What are women biologically wired to want security and provision security and provision. That's why you having a status being tall, being muscular, you automatically jump up the rank in terms of the food chain and the hierarchy of males. 
because you have status, you have height, you have muscles. These things all bode security and provision for a woman. Really? Where the fuck are they? <laughs> but the thing is, is that this is going to lend you more options. <coughs> it will lend you more options because this is what is. Because usually they find me very scary and intimidating, but they th- won't even come talk to me. When well, here's the thing. <laughs> Statistics will say differently. Statistics will say differently. Of a man is five six five seven below the below Correct. the standard yeah, I, of, I, a, of a okay of a, of a normal. They human, have of less a, options. Right. Okay. Now the thing that can raise that bar is going to be status, going to be income, right? Going to be things that can secure a woman in her needs. Because her needs, they see, they see a guy with me with my stature, muscles, tall. They see, you know, security, right? They see, um, what's the best way? Um, protection. Yep. Yes, security. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And then a guy with five seven, right, can't really, you know, sec- be secure. The best way. To, what's the best protect way? Protect him. Protect him. Yes. Yeah. So they look at the other. I, I'm understanding what you're saying. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm jumping on the train here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm bringing it down in layman's terms for myself. Um, so they're, uh, um, so they go towards the other thing, which is the income, the stability part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'm with you. I'm yep. with you. And then, what do men look for in a woman? Oh. Because this is something I, that is I, is far. Are you finding me a date right now? Because I will list yeah. it all. <laughs> This is, this is, this is something that is far more facodial than what women look for in men, which is far more like, um, uh, futuristic men look for a feminine fit, generally fit, unless you have a fetish, like a fat fetish or something like that, right. you know, and that happens. That There's exists. nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Well, there is health wise, but absolutely health wise, but, we won't, but go down that we won't go down the road. Um, the fact that. Men look for someone that's going to be feminine, pretty, youthful, and something that's going to have a good rate of fertility, okay? And they look for chastity. So what's your body count? Meaning, how many dudes have you fucked in the past? Right. They look for that. That's a value to to most men, okay? Unless, again, you have anomalies where men are going for porn stars, and they obviously don't care about the body count. But generally... Generally speaking here, men care about youth, fertility, and chastity, generally speaking. Okay. And this is pretty widely across the board. You may not different. You may, you may be different. That may be fine. But most men, if you take a poll are going to say they look for something around those aspects. They may not say exactly what I said, right? But they will say something to that degree, right? In the, in the ballpark, right? Yes. Men care about the past. Women care about the future. Women care about what you're going to look like 10 years down the road. And they will look at you as such. So they, so if you already have a status, you're already built, your, your built is already like, uh, you know, uh, formidable. They're going to think, they're going to think that, look, they can, they can, they can hand themselves over to you more easily because you can provide for them and you can protect them, which is the main things that they're after. Right. When you question the women about what their past is, or you've been watching them for maybe the last year, watching how they move, how they interface with people. And you're like, you know what? Eh, You're too much of a hoe for me. That matters to most men, what they've done with their body prior, who they're giving their, their womb to prior. Yeah. 
I mean, yes, I'm I'm different. I I'm I'm built different. My mind works different. I don't give a fuck about any of that. But that's me though. Yeah, yeah. That's me though. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't give a fuck about your body count. I don't give a fuck how many dudes you fucked. Like as long as you're fucking STD free, I don't give a fuck. And that's just me though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. Because I've you know I'm I've lived the rock star life. I've fucking had my hoe days. You know what fucking shit happens. You know. Um. But yeah, and it, it, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting that we somehow jump down this rabbit hole, which is fine. Um, I, yeah, I personally don't give a fuck about how many dudes you fucked. As long as you're loyal to me, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like whatever you did, like, even if you fucked like my best friend, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I, I don't care. Just as long as you like, as long as you're loyal to me. Good for you. You are easy going. I'm very, I'm, yes. when it comes to that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because I don't want you jumping down my fucking rabbit hole of how many girls have you fucked and so on and so forth. Cause like I live on the road, like it's, it fucking happens. I'm, you know, to normal people, I, to people that in Walmart, I'm just this normal fucking human being, but I'm out there in front of 2000, 3000 fucking screaming people. I'm a fucking rock star and girls love rock stars. Right. Cause what does that come along with? Uh, status, status, status. Yes. absolutely. It comes with status, right? So it comes back to our original point, which is what they search for, right? This is this is something that is predetermined and biologically wired within them. They look for status, which is the reason why most, like, you will see women with tall guys, and they're not even that attractive, and they're attractive because they go for that taller statue that that taller stature type of person not, not here in San Luis Obispo not, not all the time well then again this is the demographic that you've been given so if you in San Luis Obispo we have predominantly shorter males well then that's all they have to choose from right yeah so or they do really so. skinny dudes or skinny dudes. what so, the fuck's up with the skinny they make, dudes <laughs> but they find what serves them best right. out of those skinny frail guys mm. so whatever serves them They're best so frail. they have to have there has to be some type of quality within them that that bodes for their future right. is what I'm saying. Whereas men, well, I will say most men yes. do not care about what a woman makes. They don't care about what she does for a living. All they care about is their fertility, their youth and their chastity because they are the creators and that's how they see this thing. They don't care about what that woman can create, what she has, because all they really want her for not just her for, but what they really want her for is to nurture their children and the household. That's what they really care the most about because they're the ones that are going out and providing for this family unit to be secure and to be protected. But isn't it like since we're in 2000, what are we in 2022, right? It doesn't yeah. matter because oh. that's the reason why divorces are so high and why women are are seemingly not finding the right men because they, this is the narrative that they're creating and they're causing the men to be betas or rather simp down to what they, I hate to use that terminology, bro, but it's just like, it is what it is. They are, they're demasculating the man because the man cannot, now the men can only get pussy if they're, if they're dumbing themselves down and they're being more of the, uh, the lesson version that they want that that woman wants the man to be. But isn't there, isn't like, because women go out and work as well as, as men do like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're like, the guys are simping down to them. Like, I think no. that, I think that like, you know, a, the woman doesn't necessarily have to like 
stay home and do. Who's going to take care of the kids, though, bro? Bo- mo- hopefully the mother and the father. Hopefully. Who's, okay, so if, you the, know? if the man is, obviously men work more out, typically work more hours than women do. Men work more, um, they work the jobs that are obviously going to be more high risk. Okay. Yes. This, this demands more of their time. So correct. Being that as it is, if you want to raise a family and you don't want to pay a nanny to raise your children, obviously, because if you go to, if one goes to work, that's going to be canceling out the money that they make to pay the nanny. So that doesn't make any sense. Right. So, and also you don't want another female raising your kid. Who's going to raise the kid. That's why it's better for the household as a unit to have this understanding and this be the theme. Of now, their- are you talking about younger children or are you talking about, and, and this is, this, you know, are you talking about like younger children? Like the woman should stay home between like the kid being between newborn and right. 13 years old. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about more of like, they have to be home the whole time? Well, no. Cause I believe that a, a child, especially nowadays in the, modern world, I guess would be the best way to put it is kids can take care of themselves to a point between the ages of 12 and like 18. So a mom could go because it's very important for a woman to have her own time without having a screaming kid or having a fucking whatever it is beating down the thing. So they usually use work as an escape from the household because of the chaotic stuff that does happen in a household. And when the, and the men use the work, yes, they're going to work and they're going and they're working a more of a crazier job and so on. But a lot of men use it as an escape from the craziness of the household. And I think a lot of problems that happen is if a woman is at home all the time with the kids, the fucking woman goes fucking nuts. And usually what happens is they take it out on the fucking man. So then that creates a fucking problem, Mm. right? And these are my beliefs, okay? Um, So a woman does need her time to go and do whatever it is. So she uses work as an escape. Now, should a woman be home between the hours of blank and blank? You know, between the years of, you know, of a child being a newborn to, you know, a 12-year-old? Yeah, that's very important. But at the same time, though, is that's what we have schools for. Schools, kids go to school usually what six hours a day. So let me stop you. Okay, so I think that you are. Um, I think that you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is, when kids are obviously newborn, that's what I'm yes. saying. Yes, to the age of when they go to school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. They need to obviously nurture that child, take right. care of the child. And that's what I'm saying. Yes. So when they go to school, it's a different story, right? Yes. Um, because then they don't have to pay to have a nanny at the house to watch a child when they're at work. They can, that child goes to school. Right. And otherwise the school is their nanny at that point. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to convey here. So you're saying within the first five to six years that the, the, that the woman needs to be home. Yes. Because even, even before that, before the kid goes to preschool or, you know, kinder, whatever preschool rather before they go to preschool. That, that woman, it's best when the child is raised by the mother solely or not solely, but rather the, the mother and then the, the father, when the father gets home from work, then they go to a nanny and the mom goes to work right away when the kid is like 
you know, four, five, six months old sort of thing. Right. Cause they drop them off. But the way right. that the world, the way that the world is financially with the prices of everything going up and the inflation mm-hmm. of the U S or, you know, wherever you live and you're listening to this is financially a man cannot comfortably provide for a household with one income almost in the way that the world is now with inflation. It's so hard to do. I mean, that's living paycheck to paycheck, barely scraping by and nine times out of 10, a lot of people. And I believe this, they go to college, but they don't use their college fucking education for what the fuck that they they're after they get out of college. They don't know what the fuck to do. Hmm. So they're not getting those six figure jobs. They're not getting those, you know, so on and so forth, because especially in the state that we live in, in California is the most expensive state to fucking live in. And especially where we live is one of the most expensive places to live. You can barely live on a six figure income. Barely. Well, well, six figures are, that's kind of. That's kind of, you know, hyperbole here because six, six figures is what 10% of the men make in the world. So I think when you're saying six figures, you see it differently. Maybe you're jaded with money because you make more money than the average man does, but the average man makes 41, five a year. Right. 41. Yeah. And and that's what, that's what I'm saying though, is like, you can't without that second income coming in of the woman to combine a helpful helpfulness of finances right and that's whether running a daycare at home so she is you know um uh, being there with the child or so on and so forth bring in some sort of income working at home because we can all work at home nowadays you know especially with covid it's made it so much easier for people to work at home right um so she can be the mother and so on and so forth, but bring some sort of income in. It's hard to live in the world of inflation that we have with just one income and a normal male making 45,000 a year, right? Is you can't live, especially in California off 45,000 a year. It's very, I mean, you probably can, but it is super fucking hard. Yeah. And let me correct myself at four, 41, five for male for, um, sorry, white males and 50, I'm sorry, 41, five for black males, 52 for white males. So, and those are just statistics. Those are just, so, statistics. yeah. And, right. I, and it's not a race and, thing. It's and, just, and I know. agree with you what you're saying yeah. where the woman could have a job to make money. I'm not advocating against that. Right. I'm saying <laughs> that it is best for the evolvement of the child to be with his mother and not with somebody else for the beginning stages of their life. But it's so hard nowadays. Whatever. Don't have a kid then. <laughs> but I mean, that's because at the end of the day, this is a choice. Then the day having a child is a choice. Absolutely. So don't have a kid Absolutely. if you're not financially prepared for it. But here's the thing. What I is will financially say. prepared though? Let, what let's, I'm let's, saying let's is. Let's jump down. There. Let's, let's, let's go there. Let, and, and we're having a conversation. We're not having an argument. We're having a conversation. So please guys just. Uh, what is financially ready to you to have a child? So financially prepared is going to be allocating. And you need, and you need two. Okay. Male and female. Okay. So usually in a household before children, a male works and a female works, right? Because 
usually when they meet, one has a job and the other has a job. So usually when they go and they combine household, they combined those incomes, mm-hmm. right? So now you're going and as you're going as an income, as a combined income, say whatever it is, your combined income, right? So how do you feel like you're financially set for a child with a combined income? Then all of a sudden now that income, so say the wife goes to work, right? And now you're saying that the wife is, you're wanting the wife to stay home. So you're actually technically kind of losing that income. Mm-hmm. So how are you financial? What in your mind you believe is financially ready to have a child for you to be prepared, ready enough off of now one income because now you're cutting your other income. Well, it's relative to where you live and it's relative to what you do in life. So if you're planning on having a child, just like you planned a vacation one day and you know how much that vacation is going to cost, you save for that vacation, right? Uh-huh. So if you're not comfortably providing for you and your wife and the possibility of a disposable income being the baby or being the child, you can't allocate funds towards that, then you probably, it's probably in your best interest to not have a child yet. Now, that being said, this is something that inspires men to do better. This is something that inspires men to become more hungry and provide more. That's This is something that is the reason why sometimes having a baby off rip can be good for a man because it sets a fucking drive in him that it he really didn't have. It really does. It really does. he didn't have beforehand. Absolutely. So... That is something that we cannot quantify right now. But there's also a lot of deadbeat dads out there that don't fucking do fuck all for their kids. There are. And that's, and that's more and that. And I don't mean to cut you off or anything like that. Um, and that's more apparent nowadays than it is. So a mother has to provide for that child because the father's not around. And that is a very big thing in the U S I know. I know. And I know that you're saying this from, um, very genuine intentions with, with saying it. Yeah. Yes. Very genuine intentions saying it. The data will say different. Now the thing, the thing is, how does the dad say different? Well, you can check the data because, Oh dad, I thought you said data, dad. I was like, how does yeah. the dad say different? So the data says different. The data says actually that women leave far more regularly than men leave with the, with the child. Correct. Well, they almost always get the child. Correct. Um, and that is a hundred percent. That they mostly always right. get the child. And that's our justice system that right. is shit. The, but when when left when when because it is the, left because the, you believe that because the justice system believes that the, the, the child needs a mother to nurture. Right. And and that's that sometimes can be good and it sometimes can be bad because the child needs to be provided for. Yes. Who is generally the provider? Usually the general, but now the thing is those nowadays, and I'm just spitballing here is nowadays, especially when the mother, and that's the thing about child support, right? Is that's the father providing for the child, but with the mother having him most of the time because she hates the father or something happens with the father or, you know, so on and so forth. She doesn't want the child around the father because she doesn't allow the father to be the father. Right. And I, and I get where you're going with this. Right. Um, but at sometimes in human cases that the father wants to be the father, 
that the mother won't allow the father to be the father. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we're, we're not, and, but at the same time though, is when the mother, all the mother wants the father to do is be the father. The father does not want to step up and be the father. They want to go off and be a fuck boy or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Children need their fathers. Bottom line. Yeah, I agree. They need their fathers. If the father is available for them, they need that. They need that compassion from that father because the father will show them things that a mother can't. Mm -hmm. Right. I would say from the ages, especially if it's a boy from from the the ages ages of five on, it needs its dad. Yeah. Five or six on it needs his dad. And a girl needs their father. Man, that's so important to have that father because when she goes and looks for a man, she's going to compare them to exactly bingo. So I don't think, you know, obviously what's your, what you've just kind of recapitulated here is not off from what I've said. We're, we're in the same boat here. We are. Because it's going we just back kind of, to the same role. We went yeah. different directions yeah. to get there, but we... Because what yeah. we do agree on is that a man has a role mm-hmm. and a woman has a role. Mm-hmm. And they're both significant. Yes. No one is denoting that. Nope. But what is very prevalent nowadays with masculine women is the stripping of the male's role as if it doesn't seemingly have to be that way. And that's when you really contort things in a way that are not good for both parties. When you go into a business, when you go into a raising canes and they have their way of cooking chicken, right? And they have their process and the person's at the front ringing in the numbers, ringing in the order rather. There's cooks in the back, one on fries, one on chicken, one on biscuits. Everything has a specific order in place. And that's the reason why that business runs efficiently. And it's just a process from start to finish. Yep. Well, marriage is the fucking same. It is a process. And the reason why marriages are ending rather horrifically now is because that process is becoming entangled. It's becoming entangled by way of roles. And that's a problem. And that's what I'm talking about. It's, it boils down to roles and that's all. This is just the way life is. Right. This should not be up for debate. It's only up for debate when you have the strong female that wants to denote a man of really his capabilities and what he should be doing as a man. Because then at that point, they call that toxic masculinity. When the man is just being what he's biologically wired to be a providing protective male period it's it man i was raised that way most men are raised that way i see that in my household one thing that we cannot do is conflate feelings with reality right or what our own data is that we've collected in our own life to allow that to misconstrue what reality and the more realistic perception is when everything is laid out on the table. And that can happen with human beings because we're human and because we only are the data that we've collected in the past. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But in terms of how things are optimized, it may be different than what we've experienced. 
That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know? And there are things that I have feelings about that I'm like, no, it's not that way. But when, <laughs> when I strip myself of those feelings, I can see things more clearly. It's like I wipe the fog from my lens because I'm clearly, um, kind of, uh, I don't know what I, I, I'm clearly entangled in some type of narrative that's only based on the data that I've collected when that's only what I know. Cause it's only what I've seen. It's only what I've experienced, but that doesn't mean that it's the end all be all. And that's the way it should be. Right. Cause it's only what I've collected. Right. I'm as dumb as I am because of the, only the things that I've collected Correct. or my lack of experience. But a lot of people decide to say that, that, you know, and it's, it's really crazy that a lot of people do this in like the wrestling business too. And it's like, that is, that's the way it is. And that's it. And da, 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 without knowing how to change their mind about things, yeah. you know, and you said it, you said it perfect is wiping the lens, being able to see something more clearly. Right. And usually the world is so fogged that they're not willing to wipe the lens and willing to strip things down and see straight on, you know, and that's just, it's just the way the world is, you know, and, it, and it's kind of a shitty thing <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. You know? But, and it's going to, it's probably going to continue to be that way. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. Um, you know, I, we, so we got off on a tangent. I like that tangent to be honest with you. <laughs> I like that we, tangent. We went, we went very, very, very. Yeah. But I like cool. that because yeah. I think the listener will like that too. Yeah. And the fact, the fact, but I want to, I want to go back to when you were talking, because this is primarily what the podcast is centered around is the evolution of sledge and how he became <laughs> what he is. Yeah. And not only that dude, but to be honest, going back to what you would, how you would call out a person's listening right now into their specific purpose. Start from, like I you already iterated it one time. I want you to reiterate it, but it's, you find your niche, right? Yep. You find something that you're good at mm -hmm. and then go from there. Find what you're good at and go after it, you know, and really try to market yourself towards that. That's just it. That's the bottom line. And using social media, like I said, is a great fucking tool to do that, but don't get discouraged. That's the thing is a lot of people get discouraged so quickly. A lot of people will give up so quickly. Give up rate is just so fucking, and they'll go and they, they will spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of fucking dollars and give up within a matter of minutes. And now you're out of all that fucking money. It, it takes a stone to build a house, you know, or what, why I don't exactly know the proper terminology, but it takes a, you know, it's, you have to start small and work your way big. You you're laying know? bricks. Yeah. You're mm. laying, you're laying a foundation, right? So I'm not saying all of a sudden just go all in. It's not what I'm saying. It takes time to build. And you never know when that time is that you're going to hit. Just yeah. understand that you're building everything for it to hit. And when it does hit, you're going to be ready for it to hit. Because you'll have all these bricks that you laid for that foundation. Because next thing you know, it's all word to mouth. It really is. It really is all word to mouth. And especially in show business... It's not about how good you are, bro. It's about who the fuck you know. It really is. Honestly, it's really like who the fuck you know. Because I think, yeah, I think you're right. Because yeah. people don't want to, people don't want to believe that. 
but it's really in practical it's so application, it's in so practical, funny. real life application, that is true. That's kind of with like a lot of things. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of with the world. It's not fucking how good you are. It's kind of who you know. Right. And if you know, if you get good at something and somebody notices you that is way on a bigger platform than you, what's going to happen is that word to mouth. Next thing you know, oh yeah, this person over here is really good. You should use this right, person. Right. Now, all of a sudden, now you're fucking, now you're foundation. Now you're bigger. Now it's boom, 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 boom. And now hopefully, hopefully, because that's what I'm doing now, is you go and you pay that back to the person that's behind you trying to get to the level that you're at. Because if you're not paying it forward, then you're just an asshole, to be honest. <laughs> you're a fucking asshole. And because you have to realize something that somebody gave you an opportunity at one point in your life to get to where you want to go. Somebody gave you an opportunity, right? And that one person saw something in you. So they gave you an opportunity, Mm. right? If you're not willing to give that opportunity back to somebody behind you and paying it forward, number one, you're going to break the cycle. Number two, you're going to look like a fucking asshole. And number three, you are a fucking asshole. I think it's just disingenuous. It's very disingenuous. Holy shit. I do everything and I don't consider myself like a grizzled vet in the wrestling business because there's still so much that I need to learn. And that's a beautiful thing about my business is if you feel like you're done learning, you should just get the fuck out because there's still a lot more to, to learn. And I can only teach you what I have learned. Just like the same thing that you were saying is being programmed. Right. And if I have my foggers on saying that I can't fucking learn anything else, then I should just get the fuck out. But I always, 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 I'm always wiping my, wiping my lens so I can learn more. I love learning more about professional wrestling, different moves, different styles, different ways of doing things, different psychology. People don't understand wrestling is psychology. Yeah. Wrestling is huge in psychology because we're not just out there we're telling stories with our bodies and we're getting people emotionally invested in what we're doing. Cause that's the fun part of my job is I get to play with your emotions for the 10 to 15 to five to fucking 30 to an hour that I have you in my, have you is I get to play with your fucking emotions. I can make you hate me one minute and I can make you love me the next. Then I can make you have be teetered whether I, nah, I'm not quite sure if I like this guy. Oh, I kind of like him. I kind of don't. Oh, I'm not quite sure. Fuck, he really hates me. Oh, I really want to hate this guy, but I really love him. Right? That's the fun part of my job is I get to tug on you like I'm your fucking puppet master. And if you're good at that, you have them in the palm of your fucking hand. Mm. That's the beautiful thing about what the, the fucking wrestling business. It's the same thing as when you're watching a movie and you said it. The same thing when you're watching a movie. One minute you're happy, the next minute you're fucking crying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because your fucking superhero just got killed. And you're like, no, I don't want him to die. Why is he dying? Right? But then he comes back to life and you're fucking all happy. Hey, look, he's back to life. Right? That's a fun thing about fucking professional wrestling. But it's live. I get to do it live. Because the minute I walk out that curtain, I have you. Your eyes are on me. Just like you're watching a film, your eyes are on that. And that's a beautiful, and that's the thing is these fucking things, these cell phones, right? What's the easiest, this is the, Samoa Joe told me this and I fucking, it blew my mind, right? Backstage at SmackDown or whatever it was and I did a tryout match and he's like, yeah, it was all right, it was good. 
But I noticed a lot of people were on their phones, not paying attention. Right? So that means a lot of the other tryout matches didn't have them. Right? They checked out because it's so easy to pick up your phone and check the fuck out. Very easy. If you're not interested in something, what's the first thing you grab? Your phone. You check your messages, you check your Instagram, your social media, your whatever it is. But if you can get them to all of a sudden, if they're looking down and then they look up and then they put their phone down, you have them that grabs you in your hand. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And that's a beautiful thing about professional wrestling. And that is what people should strive to do in professional wrestling. And I tell people this all the fucking time. It's not about the moves. No one gives a fuck about the moves. Because I guarantee you, the guy in the match before you did the fucking same moves. Mm. It's taking them on that roller coaster of emotions. That's the fun part of what I do. Is taking them on that roller coaster of emotions. That's professional wrestling. Love it. That's professional wrestling. We got a, about an hour and 50 in, man. I got to piss. My ass hurts. So yep. let's, yeah, uh, um, let's, let's And I have somewhere up. to be literally in five minutes. So <laughs> t- tell people where they can find you. Uh, you could find me on all social medias, man. It's really easy. At Sledge805. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's, I keep it easy. Sledge805 for everything. Love yeah. it. Thanks for being here, bro. Thanks, man. Appreciate I appreciate it. This is a, I would love to do a number two. If you want to do a number two, we will. I love like the chemistry that we had. And this was a lot of fun. We actually didn't really get to deep dive into ring of honor, which was really great <laughs> for me. We actually got on a different tangent and ran down this rabbit hole, which was fun for me. But yeah, man, if you want to do a number two, I literally live down the road. So it's really easy. We're doing it. <laughs> We're right, doing it. Man. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs>